Welcome to the podcast with your host, Lauren. <coughs> oh, sorry, <coughs> something in my throat. <coughs> oh, that's better. Yes, welcome to my podcast, Walk with Lawrence, the podcast where I walk and talk with some wonderful human beings. Some of them will be my friends. Some of them will be people I've just met. Either way, it's going to be a scrumptiously delightful conversation that I hope you get a lot from. I hope you have some laughs. I hope you have some tears. A whole range of emotions. Either way, I hope you enjoy it. And I love you very much. And thank you very much. Here's the podcast. Okay, Andy Mantit, the main man. Lawrence Price. We're walking here, Clapham Common in London, England. A place you know very well. I do. But you're not originally from here, are you? I'm not. I am from the land out under, from Brisbane, Australia. Um, I am here against my will. My wife (laughs) forced me to come back to the UK. No, that's a lie. Um, now I've lived here on and off since 2006, first came over. Um, the Aussie two-year visa, worked in finance, um, contracted, travelled, partied, moved back to Australia and uh, in 08 and settled back here in 2012, which is now seven years ago. So Australia seems like a distant memory, unfortunately. So you swapped, you swapped finance and you swapped the sandy beaches of Australia for Britain and a career in fitness? I did. Um, fitness has always been a big part of my life as a, as a personal hobby um, since a young age through sports and then joining a gym in my mid-teens. Um, You're an absolute specimen, I have to say, as well. I go through to look at phases where I uh, I do a lot of weights, not too much cardio. You definitely yeah I have moments. You lift yeah yeah I, I can do tell lift. I can I tell do lift. bicep curls. <laughs> um, but yeah, backgrounds in finance. Um, but uh, spent a lot of my time outside of work at the gym it's from eighteen to twenty three. Just the old school bro split, doing weights, uh, leading into a weekend drinking myself into oblivion and starting again on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something very familiar that a lot of people will certainly anyway um, find very familiar in their lives. But the fitness industry has evolved a little bit and here we are now talking mainly because you're very much known, not just in London, but across the globe now because of the turf games now called the Under Armour Turf Games. So for, for those people listening who, who don't know much about the turf games, just tell us what it's all about. So the Turf Games is a functional fitness community which is based around functional fitness competitions. Um, It's all team-based, or majority team-based at the moment. Um, It's about camaraderie and trying to mimic what the the feeling you get playing sport, whether it be rugby, netball, cricket, um, hockey. It's it's hard to replicate being part of a team, achieving success and also um, you know, disappointment, but when you're part of a team, it just, everything seems to be a little bit easier and more fun and started yeah. the whole turf games um, as a really, as a to fill a void in my life where I wasn't playing a lot of team sport anymore through family and, and work commitments. Do you know, we, um, I've actually put in my notes that we're going to talk about the power of being in a team with fitness and sport later on, but okay, we're here now, now, so let's do it. Yeah, okay, I've actually written down a question for you on Excellent. that subject. Um, everyone is on their own unique journey with fitness but we are tribal beings. What does being part of a team add to your training journey? Being part of a team definitely adds the accountability um, in your workouts or the, the power to push yourself to places that you probably won't go if you were just by yourself. Um, I've trained both with people and, and by myself and it's easy when you're training by yourself, you push yourself to a point where 
you feel comfortable with and not quite often beyond that point of pain or, um, or, or no return. Whereas if you're with somebody else or a team, you feel accountable that you don't let your teammates down, that you will push yourself beyond that point. Um, and over time, that point will get further pushed down the road so you can actually get better both, whether it's endurance, whether it's strength, um, and over time also become a better athlete. Um, it's funny, the word accountability was what I was thinking about as well yeah. when I was writing it down. It's so powerful, such a powerful thing. Um, I think that's what drives the want for people to, to play a lot of team sport is like being part of something, but also being accountable um, to other people. That's both in whether it's work or it is professional or amateur sport. When you started at the Turf Games, I've, I've obviously been training for, for many years. I used to be a rugby player and I was training on my own individually. And I kind of that accountability thing and also the kind of excitement slash fear factor of knowing that there's a competition a few weeks or months away. Yeah. I trained hard and with more focus than I have done in, in years, absolute years. And then again, accountability is so powerful. You, you just turn up to the gym and you've got this real kind of focus. It was absolutely awesome. Yeah, the Turf Games, one of the biggest feedbacks just to why people do it is it gives, gives them a reason to train, whether it's you know, three months out from a competition, they, they go to the gym four times rather than three times, and a reason to catch up with their teammates you know, every Sunday for four or five weeks to, to do a workout as a team and also social as well. So um, I think it's, it's really driven people to to get to, I guess, be a lot more community focused, not just go to the gym, punch out a session and leave again. So this is my next question to you. Um, and it's that of community. So beyond the team that you may decide that you've entered for the Turf Games, there's this huge community now, which certainly in my experience, having been a PT in London for 12 years, wasn't there before you kind of came along and added the glue to bind us all together. Yeah. How, how did it all start then? Take us back to the beginning of actually building a community first and then that turning into the Turf Games. So back in 2016, no, 2017, sorry. Um, I, I'm not from the UK, so I didn't have a huge network of, of male school friends or university friends. Um, you had no friends. I had no friends. <laughs> I had my, uh, my wife is English and, and some of her friends. But um, I... I love organizing things, I love team sport, and I just reached out to a few guys, mainly through Instagram, who I'd seen, and- Slid into my DMs, didn't you? So I slid into your DMs, a few other boys' DMs as well, who are like, I think everybody who was there on day one is still still around these days. Some may have moved overseas, but it, we started off just getting together with a bunch of guys, um, doing a, a casual workout, which we think we started with seven guys, and it was 12 guys, and it was 16 guys, and kind of just grew from there and I, so I turned up to the second one I think you did as a photo of it, it 12 evolved. guys with their shirts off it, uh, it pops did. up every, every yeah. year as a, as a reminder <laughs> of memory yeah Dave and Ashton's gym at Evolve 365 and I remember I knew I knew Eastham uh, Tom Eastham Eastie and that, uh, a couple other people vaguely but I remember we all chatted afterwards about how we all turned up feeling so nervous and self-conscious and, and worried that we, we would just be put in a room with a load of other dickheads, egotistical fitness people. And we're all fitness professionals ourselves. We had the same kind of worries and fears that I think a lot of regular people do when they walked into the gym. And we just couldn't be more wrong uh, before you knew it. We were all kind of training with the tops off, high-fiving, hugging. Okay. and Kind of like Top Gun and the volleyball. Yeah, stuff. it was. There's, like, we're all crying out. We were, well, we were certainly crying out for that. And then there it was put in front of us and we just kind of jumped on it and it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, I think what made it unique or um, made it very so quickly is that 
we did work like target the personal trainers in London. They had a lot of downtime and on an afternoon, mid afternoon is personal training has traditionally been a very uh, independent world where you turn up to a gym and the girl girl next to you might be a competition. They might steal that client who walks into the door. You operate by yourself. There's no kind of sense of community and so many insecurities yeah. that come with that. Lots of insecurities in the fitness industry. Um, and other people just initially thought, well, if I work out with another PT, he's my competitor. But quite quickly, that barrier was broken down. And we've, uh, within a short period of time, so many guys and girls who, who came now work with people they met through the community. And everyone, I guess, a rising tide floats many boats. And the bigger the community and the more opportunities that arise, the whole industry does grow. Mate, I've um, never heard that expression before, and I love it. Haven't you? Write that one down. Every week someone teaches me something new about the uh, English language. That was amazing. I hope uh, you don't ask me what my favorite quote is. No, <laughs> no, I hate those kind of questions. I'll definitely not ask you. Excellent. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like uh, fitness professionals are all self-employed lone wolves. And when it comes to your fitness knowledge and, how, and your training methodology, you know, there's so many variants from person to person depending on what your experiences are as a coach and who you're working with as a client that it's kind of the perfect atmosphere for all these insecurities to come out. But what's been so lovely is getting the community together and actually sharing uh, from each other's experiences, knowledge bases and so on. And I feel, and again, it sounds like I'm kind of, uh, you know, bigging you up big time, but I, I would like to do that publicly right here, right now, Andy Manti. <laughs> but the last, the last uh, couple of years since you kind of created this community has been, you know, the highlight, the best couple of years that I've had working as a fitness professional by far. Um, and, you know, a lot of that is down to the, the work you put in and in, in bringing so many people together. So it's nice to be able to have this chat now and, and yeah, get this an officially be, down. Be here. But I think, <laughs> like, it's the whole like, a network community. It's, it's a analogy, I guess. It's like dropping a, a drop of water on a napkin. As it hits, it spreads out. If you drop yourself into a like-minded network of people with similar interests, you will connect with certain people and your network, your knowledge will grow and you'll pick up, um, you know, your weaknesses might become your strengths and you'll start collaborating with people rather than competing with people. 100%, and I love that little analogy about the napkin, which you basically stone from throwing a, pond, uh, a stone into a pond and the ripple effect. Yes. But the, the thing I like about the napkin is it sticks. It's, the ripple just kind of moves on. Yes. The, the moisture in the napkin sticks, much yes. like the knowledge we share. It does. Very good, Andy, I like that a lot. <laughs> um, okay, let's, let's move things on a little bit from uh, from you and the Turf Games and how it all started and talk a little bit about fitness as a genre itself. So it's kind of occurred to me recently, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, that, that training used to be a means to an end. So we wanted to, you know, look a certain way or we wanted to train for sport. And so we go to the gym and we, we train. Um, but now functional fitness seems to have become a sport in itself. It is. It is the sport of fitness. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. You look at, you know, things like the CrossFit Games, the Turf Games, all these kind of big gatherings in which people are going to literally stadiums. We've got um, fitness personnel who are now sporting icons. We've got brands um, really kind of channeling uh, their energies towards fitness as a genre, as a sport. It's, it's, it's crazy, you know, like we never really saw this 10 years ago, did we? No, no one really thought, I think, in the 90s or early 2000s that measuring push-ups and squats and you know, those type of things would actually be something people want to watch or take part in and, and actually be a be a sport but I just think with the, the education around fitness whether it be how to build muscle how to get fitter or nutrition um, I guess the two biggest ones are 
if I take protein powder, I'm going to become Arnold Schwarzenegger, or if I lift a weight, I'm going to be a bodybuilder. Whereas I think people now realise that it takes a lot of hard work to, to get much bigger or much stronger. So the, the, the idea of training functionally, rather than those kind of bicep curls and and um, biceps back and showing chest, the, the three big ones. It's not about that anymore. And yes, people still like aesthetics, and it, it's that's kind of a byproduct of training your whole, your whole body, whether it be CrossFit or a, you know, traditional strength and conditioning training. Um, this is so good. I mean, I love this, and this is why I think the fitness community is going such. Uh, sorry, the fitness industry is going in such a great direction because training has become about all the things we've discussed. It's become about community, a sense of belonging, and training for function over aesthetics and so on. And there's nothing wrong, as you say, with wanting to you know look a certain way, but actually. Um, it's nice when you focus on training for functional means for performance and then the aesthetics come as a byproduct afterwards. It's just far more enjoyable. It, you know, it's far more satisfying because you're, you're looking at um, gains and goals that can be quantified um, through how, how much you're deadlifting, how fast you're running 400 meters, whatever it might be. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, social media's had a huge part to play in that, both in a good and, and bad way. I think you know, people can normally see the good good from the bad, but it does take sometimes a bit of nudging that you know, there's a lot of miseducation or misinformation on, on social media. Um, but uh, I think Instagram has almost become a, a fitness platform, whether it be workout workouts or nutrition advice. And I think it's really just grow, made the, the whole industry grow and it's helped the turf games. You know, the only way we've really marketed the turf games both you know, connecting with people in New York and LA and Sydney was sliding into a few more DMs um, with studios or personalities in those cities and connecting with them. And people are receptive to getting involved in you know, cool ideas and events and meeting new people. And like I said, you mentioned before, but the kind of main reason, my, my, the biggest two things I love doing is meeting people and traveling and trying to build the turf games that I can build an endless summer around the world and meet phenomenal people um, who are, they're experts in their field, they're successful, um, and they're just also fun. And what that means, I can travel to some amazing locations and I'm all for it. Do you know, I, I completely agree. And I, my, I can only speak from personal experience. I know that everyone has their own different experiences of social media and how that impacts their life. But for me personally, um, and what I've seen with my peers, it's just been a great experience in terms of, as you say, sharing content, in terms of hooking up, in, in terms of, that ripple effect again, throwing that stone into that pond, uh, turning up to events, posting about it, getting more people to come along. And all of a sudden, so many people have got this buzz about their training and their fitness and their training, as we say, for uh, performance-led goals, not for aesthetics. So hopefully you're kind of less people standing in front of a mirror scrutinizing about how the body looks. Hopefully more people not giving a shit about that and getting out and boshing a few of Fred Finisher's workouts exactly. and getting ready to turn up to next Surf Games with a load of people that they love hanging out with who are in the same boat. What's it like people went to the turf games for multiple reasons. It's it's given the reason to train, it's to have fun with a bunch of you know friends, it's for that Instagram photo, it's to push yourself for six hours and at the end of your, your workouts you go straight to the bar and you have a, a great time with your friends. But there are other people who do turf games because they're very competitive, they want to win it. We they, different reasons um, we need to cater for all those athletes and it's just it's it's good to hear feedback from people as to why they are doing the turf games and it also allows us to shape how it does evolve moving forward without feedback from people you don't know um, who sometimes are a bit more honest than people you do know um, it's hard to really evolve and, and build anything 
So this is one of your main challenges, it's to hold an event, which is, an spectacle, which is a spectacle of fitness. So you're gonna have some elite athletes there, but you want the everyday person to be able to turn up who isn't a fitness professional, who just enjoys a bit of training. You want them to be able to turn up on the day and still get a lot out of it and not to feel like they're just making up the numbers. Exactly, and it is the reason the Turf Games did start was to be an inclusive form of or functional fitness where there was no requirement to be able to do a certain skill or technique to be able to complete the workouts and it, it started pretty much for my own benefit because I, I did dabble in CrossFit in 2011 in Brisbane before I came back over to the UK and being sort of six foot four and not you know not being overly gymnastics uh, background or Olympic lifting background I just it wasn't really for me and yeah I think a lot of people feel like that and that, a lot of people feel like that and that's where you know a lot of people feel like that but also want to get a taste or have got a taste and want more of that competitive training environment. And that's who the turf game seemed to kind of really cater for. Well, it, yeah, it's the reason it started. I was like, well, why if I can't do a handstand walk or a muscle up, does that mean I'm not, you know, inverted commas fit? Um, there's a lot of good athletes out there, ex-rugby players who don't do RNX gymnasts. Yes, some of them might learn over time, but it doesn't mean they shouldn't be able to compete in the in functional fitness. So 100%. selfishly started because I couldn't do those things. But is, is that why it's grown so quickly? Because there's been this kind of sleeping giant, mass of the public who've been waiting for something like this to come along. And then you were sitting at your desk in your finance career and thought, I've got the perfect idea for this. I'm gonna create, I'm gonna give these people what they want. Was this always the master plan? It, it wasn't always the master plan. I think the good thing about the Turf Games, it has evolved 100% organically from a bunch of guys we talked about before getting sweaty in, in London um, into like, let's do an informal team competition. Again, the desire, which I like being part of a team, into let's formalize this and we became the Turf Games. And I think just the, we had some great guys, initially started off just as guys and the first two series with 30 guys and 60 guys, then introduced the girls competition. And now the split of Turf Games is 53% guys and 47% um, girls. So. It's a very even split and I think people just there was a there wasn't a need or a want there that people didn't actually realize until it kind of existed um, like most people who did the turf games in 2017 the summer big event we did had never thought about or competed in a functional fitness event or competition before it hadn't really crossed their mind and I think we kind of gave people something they didn't know they wanted but now can't live without um, oh man I think so it's a good space to be in and with the rise of the boutique studios and the kind of education around you know lifting weights and and, and nutrition and people wanting to be part of a community and i think the the studios who do form a community and that's why crossfit has been so successful as well as it, it, it most boxes are, are community driven and people like being part of something and turf games is, is no different um and there is a phenomenal community we hosted an event last night with 70 or 80 people turned up and like half of those were new to the turf games for the first time and it's just so good to see you people. got a couple people's couple coupling up as people a result are coupling up. people are any, any weddings have you got the invite for yet um early days no weddings yeah yeah there's probably a few who might uh drop the knee at some point this year yeah it's a interesting time in the whole functional fitness space and i guess that word you know what does functional fitness mean and i probably can't really put a definition to it but it's just it's moving in more planes than one it's not just lying down and doing a bench press but it's effectively you can throw anything at somebody and they just need to be able to do it within reason and we just rule out at the moment anything that's too technical or skillful that most of the population of the fitness world can't do or 
potentially don't want to do. You also see like some weird stuff online, fitness-wise, and you're like, why, what on earth are people doing? Like strange, bizarre movements that, you know, how, I mean, like there's, there's a process that, that you have to go through in order to make sure that the moves that are selected and the events that are selected for the turf games are relevant and, um, you know, things don't get a little bit kind of weird and bizarre. How, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you see stuff online, which, you know, I think you've always, you've always had a, a really awesome um, sort of selection of exercise and events. So who do you have behind that? How do you do it? Is it you or do you have the team who you, you sit down with and you, you program together? How does it work? So I've, I've been and traveled to a huge number of fitness studios around the world, whether it be in America or Australia or here, and you kind of get a gauge of what people do like and speaking to people and it is um, surrounding yourself with people who I kind of mastermind the idea and drive the vision I, and I bring in people who are experts at what they do and you know, Lee Phillips who has won probably the most turf games to date. Um, he's not 41 years old is he? He's actually 43 I think. He can't be, it's impossible. Um, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's competed in a lot of fitness events and he while fitness, he's not a full-time fitness professional. He, he knows how to how to manage the structure of competition, and having him on board now to really so me and him sit down and we'll program workouts. We'll look at what other people are doing, what people like, uh, what, and always trying to re, uh, not reinvent the wheel, but introduce new new movements or new pieces of equipment that people. I guess that's, it's that wow factor. It's yeah. not just the run of the mill. You know, a rig, a dumbbell, a ply box, and a barbell. We want to really think outside the box. And in a way, initially, it kind of made it tricky to to try and get be too different because a lot of places were doing the, the, the comps at didn't have many sleds or many D balls or many yokes. So we had to think of this new format where it was actually station based and people moved around. But it meant the event was very dynamic. There's always something going on. And in a way, stumbled upon a new format of event which actually people have received and. And, and love so basically everything you do that's successful is an accident um it's in a way yeah <laughs> <laughs> just sort of uh, either that or you're an evil genius i can't well, figure out which one column a little from column b i think it's a little bit of a, like so um so brunel university turf games there you brought these tanks out that you put people on you push these tanks and the tires were slightly i've never seen one before yeah well yeah so the talk tank we saw them Saw them on Instagram and just reached out to the, the guys uh, who have the UK um, distribution rights, and they're all, all four. We actually have those coming back for LA and in Sydney. Um, it's always just it's just scouring for new ideas, new opportunities, and being creative. Um, there's no point. Like people do train at the gym, you know, four or five times a week, and they just do similar things. It's, it's using those movements or that they might build strength for a deadlift, but. How do we replicate the deadlift strength you might have, but in a more fun, yeah. different way through yeah. another compound movement? So, people love it, don't they? The athletes, like they, when, they when a new um, event or bit of kit comes out, for people to get their heads around, because there's you have to figure it out uh, tactically first, and then you have to sort of take it on as a physical challenge. Yeah. It keeps things fresh. Yeah, the, the tactics around the way we program workouts is probably the biggest thing that we we I guess are proud of the way people. The, the biggest compliment I love after an event is someone goes says to me Andy I've got my tactics wrong if, if they say that it just make, means that the workout is, is, it's so tactical that see what your strategy is it's going to be right or wrong but no one knows until it's finished and it's it's yeah. great seeing people execute their tactics and they actually do well it's also good people think they know what they're doing and have an idea and actually it's the wrong way to do it and even really really experienced people is constantly just pushing the envelope to make sure that even those who have done hundreds or also, fitness competitions, it's always new tests, it's always 
something different and new structures and formats. So, and what I've seen on that front is, um, and again, it's like the whole sporting arena comparison as well, is athletes get pumped up, you know, physically, mentally, they're absolutely buzzing, and then they have to go into an event and they've got to keep control amongst the chaos. And we've, I've, got, I've got this wrong in the past where the first event of Surf Games, we've just flown in and we've got it wrong. Sometimes some of us are working too hard and others were sort of resting too much and we just didn't get a good score. But it's got a real kind of um, beautiful thinking, brain and body kind of dual approach to it, which I really love as well. Yeah, it's, it's problem solving. In a way, we try and create our workouts where you have two, three bits of equipment or movements you have to do and you have 10 minutes to do it in and the score is A times B. As your team, you need to work out, well, his or her strength is this and mine's that and that's their weakness. So you, you guys stay on that one and we'll stay on this one and to really maximize your, your team's score. And we try to create workouts that are, it's like solving a problem. How do we maximize our score based on our strengths and weaknesses and what's in front of us? So um, I just want to get the inside scoop with you now on something. So. It's the Under Armour Surf Games, and obviously Under Armour are a huge global company, yep. massively respected um, for the, the kit they produce. Um, what? So you, you know, when you sit down around the table with Under Armour, what what evil plans do you concoct for world domination? What's the, what's the story there? You you can be honest with me because no one else is going to listen to this. No, it's, that's right. It's me and you. <laughs> um, it's just again like back to what I was saying before. It's just trying to make events bigger and better and more exciting, um, both from a content point of view, from an athlete point of view, and from a, uh, I guess, a festival point of view, like really driving, how do we make these events that more people want to come along to and both watch and take part in? And then looking at the global landscape as to what cities would the Turf Games concept um, be successful in? So, yeah, we are looking at a lot of new cities next year with those guys. Um, yeah, having Under Armour on board is, is phenomenal from like you mentioned the, the power of their brand they are a training brand they are my personal favorite uh, apparel fitness brand so my uh, activewear drawer now has probably as much Under Armour gear in it as, as a small store but uh, which is which is great but it is having those guys behind you, you know, if they from the content they create and the storytelling which they want to use turf games for it is is amazing it opens up a lot of doors and conversations with people and gives the events just the trust and credibility on the, on the global stage that people do know what it is and it does allow us to maybe go to new places and do new things that if we didn't have them on board wouldn't yeah. actually happen. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's awesome and uh, it just keeps going from strength to strength. And I think as a brand, they're just such a perfect fit as well. I think it's uh, inspired. They are. I think Under Armour, I'm still trying to get them to get The Rock to compete at a... <laughs> being the yeah. main yeah. Under Armour ambassador. But you're going to LA soon anyway. We are, right? yeah. I'm tr yeah, hopefully you might make an appearance. Or <laughs> probably not. We'll see. You never know. Um, no, don't ask, you don't get right. Exactly, exactly. It's all, it's all been working out pretty well so far. Yeah. Um, so for people listening to this who are gym goers, they're into the gym, you know, they're sort of pretty early on in their journey, in their fitness journey, but they are intrigued and interested about the turf games. You know, what sort of advice would you give someone like that? I think, yeah, again, one of the, the sort of, when we, when, when we release workouts, a lot of people are like, I can't do that. It's like, have you tried it? No. Well, like, then don't say you can't do it. And, you know, the, we're about, it's effort over the results. It's not about who wins. And it's about you walking off that field and knowing that you couldn't have done any more 
than what you did in that five or six minute workout, 10 minute workout. Yeah. But another, after our first summer event last year, a lot of people before the event were like, this is gonna be fun, this is gonna be fun, these workouts are too heavy. And then at the end of that afternoon, got some guys and girls who were like, so those same people were like, I didn't realize, realize I could do that. Yeah. But it, until you try, it's easy for people to yeah. say, words on a piece of paper, I, I can't do that. Well, give it a go. And it's not about the team next to you or anybody else, it's about you putting in 100% effort and walking away going, you know what? Mm. I didn't think I could flip that tire, I've done it, so I'm happy. It's kind of euphoria that you witness with people with, um, with their training when they do something they thought they couldn't do. Yeah. And that ripple effect, again, without getting too deep, it's a metaphor for life training very often. That sense of self-belief and that sense of seeking out the obstacles so that you can overcome those obstacles because it's through overcoming obstacles in which we grow stronger, people start to build their life in the gym at the turf games. You're responsible for people making their dreams come a reality, not just in fitness, but in the workplace, in their family lives, in their love lives. That's it's right. a lot of responsibility for you, Andy Man Teach. It is, and um, I think, it's not really, but I, I do, <laughs> I, I really enjoy the feedback from people and you're getting emails after last night's session. We, yeah. we, some of it's professional, a bit biased, but I've, yeah. I've seen it enough times, I genuinely believe that fitness is life-changing when people commit to it you know people improve and empower themselves in the gym it does lead on to all sorts of magic happening in the rest of their life definitely and i think it's back to that um the whole point of a team is you buy yourself in the gym you'll go so far you, you put yourself in a team situation you push yourself further and that then that translates into normal life whether it is in the workplace um or whether it's just it's anything it's facing adversity and personal problems, but in knowing that you can get over hurdles that you may not have got over yeah. um, previously, and you're pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. And I think the, the biggest um, sort of advice to anybody, we like any workout we program, or the workouts we do program, everybody can do the movements. Yes, it might be heavier for you than me, but you can still do it. If you get one rep out, great. If you get 10 reps out, great. But it's not as hard as, as you think. Yes, you might be on, on a heap on the ground after 10 yeah. minutes, but but if it, if it was easy, everyone would do it and you wouldn't have that sense of accomplishment. Exactly. Um, and the other thing, uh, just, to, just to, on that point as well, you can have a really, the great thing about fitness, the great thing about training for something, that accountability, that camaraderie that gets you going to the gym at the end of a long day at work where you maybe had a day that didn't go your way, but you can still turn up to the gym, you can still put in a session and accomplish something and finish the day feeling absolutely awesome that you've made progress and that uh, life is awesome and you're going to turn up to the next Turf Games and smash it. Exactly, everyone has drive and obsession something. It's just a matter of finding what, what does drive you and find, unlocking it and, and it's going health for leather. So we're going to go health for leather at the next Turf Games, which is when in LA? We have, well, no, before then we have... Oh, sorry, um, I should have done my research. Fittest in the City on the 14th of September, which is the qualifier, the winning male and female, which, which is an, in, an individual event, which we don't do uh, lots of, but it's, a, it's part of the story of male and female qualify for Team UK, which will fly to Australia to take on the Australian team in November. It's a, part of a, it's a kind of a flagship tournament to show the kind of elite athletes in action. It is, yeah. So athletes who compete in the elite category, the opportunity to compete at the fittest in the city and qualify for the team. Um, so it's, it's a great level of athlete and you know, the atmosphere is going to be amazing. So that's a CrossFit partner on the 14th of September. Mm -hmm. Then we go to LA the next day for the following weekend is our first Under Armour Turf Games City Series in LA. It's our second event in the US. Um, LA holds a pretty special place in my, with me, I've been there a lot. It was the first 
place I touched down off Australian shores when I was a wee tacker at 23, traveling the world. Nice. Um, so it sort of feels like a, a second home, quite comfortable over there. And I've got a nice bunch of friends. And also I'm a, I am a weather beach guy and I think LA rains about 30 days a year. And hopefully it's not around our event. But the whole city shuts down when it rains. That's the only problem. Yeah, no one does anything. <laughs> that's good. Tap, you know, tap into the LA community, um, build the brand over there, get some great uh, people in the fitness industry and connect with those guys and girls. And, you know, hopefully 2020 we get a, a festival, summer festival off the Grand LA at a amazing venue and, and grow the brand in the US. There's lots of other US locations we are looking at, but LA makes sense at the moment and um, hopefully it goes well. So no uh, autumn winter turf games festival in 2019? There's no, there's no more big London events this year in terms of competitions. We will we have the outdoor training sessions and from early October, we'll start doing a lot more, probably five or six winter training sessions at various gyms and parks around London with Under Armour. Um, but then we go to Sydney for the first Sydney Summer Festival, following on from last year's City Series in Sydney. There's an amazing community in Sydney. Um, Australia's a, a fitness lifestyle kind of country. And when we did the event there last year, just the buzz and the community just, it, it was, it, it probably still is one of my favorite events, not, well, slightly biased, but just, everyone just got into it and the atmosphere and the professionalism of everybody was just was just insane and i think it's moments like those which make you realize that you want to keep doing it and, and, and why you do the turf games why i'm doing what i'm doing is just meeting those phenomenal people and form friendships with, with guys and girls who i only met at that event and now you know we, we constantly speak be quite regularly and you know i'll see the next week when we're in sydney as well oh mate it's awesome and this is um a, an international global podcast and if you know i'll i'll have plenty of listeners in both those cities yeah, as well as london okay. so a lot of people getting a lot from this but for those um british-based um personnel listening so how if they want to get involved with some of the training sessions in the autumn in london and if they want to look at getting involved getting involved with the next big turf games 2020 they just go to the website. Yeah, so turfgames.com. Um, everything is announced on our email um, before something big comes out or it's also announced on our socials. But so following at Turf Games on Instagram, our winter festival team entry goes live on Friday, the 27th of September. That will um, hopefully sell out quite fast, but looking, you know, we hope there's a lot of new people do get a chance to compete at Turf Games. It is smaller than the summer event, um, just based on it needs to be inside and there's not, you know, football sized fields of, of warehouses in central London that we, <laughs> we can access, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, it'll be around about 600 athletes rather than the 950 summer was, but it'll be 50% bigger than a winter festival this year. Amazing. And so, yeah, that will go on sale. Then the, the, under the, the, our events, train with us page on turfgames.com, yeah, over the next few weeks, even more training sessions will be added uh, onto those. and. Some of them are free, some of them are 10, 15 pounds, but it also always includes you know, some like you know, free product, whether it's you know drinks or apparel or, or the like. So there's um, yeah, some good, good fun. Sweet, yeah, and no, I highly recommend it. And uh, obviously Instagram, they can get regular updates and stories and things like that. And lots of cool training tips before yeah. events and so on. Yeah, so lots more, we're releasing a lot more training tips, workouts, tactics, uh, nutrition um, advice, and just really trying to uh, grow the whole functional fitness education space um, a lot more and get people involved in the turf games um, and just functional fitness in general. Last question before we wrap things up, Andy. Um, 
10 years time from now, um, how will the fitness industry look? And how will that relate to Turf Games? Um, I think I think the fitness industry will continue to evolve in a good way. Um, I think the functional fitness as a sport will become more professional. I think there'll be some consolidation over the next two or three years um, around the event space and how even the kind of the CrossFit Games um, unfolds and all the changes they're, they're bringing in. Um, I'm hoping that it becomes a lot more, I guess, professional on a on a team kind of point of view and there's a bit more money comes into the sport. So athletes who are phenomenal athletes at in functional fitness get opportunities um, to make a lifestyle or a life and career by competing in fitness, um, which we have, there's not, there's only a handful of people globally who can really make a, a living by competing in fitness. Um, so hopefully there's a lot more opportunities for, for those. And I think just the education will get clearer and better um, yeah. from a, a workouts uh, and nutrition point of view. It's more and more people getting clued up on fitness now and it almost seems to be the antidote to modern life where we're all stuck at our desks getting, you know, sort of uh, computer eyesore and the rest of it. And yeah, more and people getting educated about training and I suppose more people wanting to use that in a competitive environment. So the whole idea of it becoming a sport may well just play out and we may have witnessed the seeds of it. You may have been sowing those seeds yourself, Annie Mantit. I want to say thank you very much for coming on my podcast. We're now yeah, looking at each other. Lawrence. We're standing under the flight path okay. to Heathrow. So hopefully people can hear this. If it was a little bit distorted, we can only apologize. Um, but for everyone who's listened, uh, for me, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's been, uh, been a good chat. I've enjoyed it. Mate, it's been lovely. Plenty more to come. And yeah, we'll see you at the Turf Games very soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. Lawrence. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Okay, this is the outro. The podcast is now finished, but don't hang up the phone yet. I mean, turn off the phone. I mean, turn off the podcast because I have one more favor to ask you. If you liked the podcast, which presumably if you got this far, you did, I did something right. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. And most importantly, please tell all of your friends because it's just going to be so embarrassing if no one listens to this. I need you on my side to push this out into the world wide web. Please, please help. Please tell everybody, please. And thank you so much. Write a review. Have you done it yet? Have you written that review? See you next time. Bye. Have you written the review yet? <laughs>